Gentlemen, welcome to the Be The Man podcast. I'm your host, Greg Denning. I am the creator and coach inside the Be The Man Masterclass and Tribe. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. Thank you for striving to be men. I, um, it's actually really early in the morning in Norway. I'm leading a trip here. I'm with my family. Uh, we've actually had this amazing um, plan for the next several months. We're going to be wandering around the earth. It's, man, it's, it's so cool. Side note here, so, so cool to watch your wife and your children just come alive with learning and adventure and novelty and experience and exposure from the little ones and their fascination with escalators and and playgrounds and, and wherever, right? To your your older kids and your wife just lighting up with new and exciting places and things. And, and it's just so important. I cannot let go of this idea of the, the importance of of exposure, exposing ourselves and our children to life and the world and what's out there and what's possible. So many people will not rise in life simply because of lack of exposure. And we'll circle back to that later today. And so I'm, I'm leading a trip here. We're actually up above the Arctic Circle, which is, is unreal. Uh, I took my son a few years ago, and we went to Iceland, and then we took a ferry to an island above Iceland and got to the marker right on the Arctic Circle. But now we're, we're far above that uh, in Norway, and it's winter, and it's amazing. It's this... Uh, totally dark winter wonderland <laughs> just it's unreal just having the coolest experiences uh today we're gonna go out and uh, meet with the the native people the sami people and and ride uh reindeer sleighs in in the wilderness in the woods oh man it's just so so stoked but i i, I, w- I was up late uh in a sauna with some some men having great discussions and man, I just woke up really early. Didn't get all the sleep I had hoped to because I, I just have this thing on my mind that I have to work on and I have to share. And I'm going I'm to share part of that today. And it's, it's on my mind and, and it has been actually for, I would say, at least 10 years. And, you know, I'm, I, if you've listened to me at all, or, you know, I just, I feel this moral obligation to give back and the importance of striving to make it a positive difference in the world and this responsibility that you and I have not only to make the most of ourselves but to become so developed and to achieve and acquire so much that we have way more than enough for ourselves and our family but we have plenty to give back and that's you know includes resources and and money and time and talent and skills and knowledge but like you have more of you to give and so you know a big part of my message today is like that you and I have a responsibility and a moral obligation to make the most of ourselves simply because we can and if we can then we should and and perhaps we can go so far as to say if we can we must so if you have the opportunity to rise, if you have the 
even the possibility to make more of yourself, then at least from my perspective, you and I have a moral obligation to do so. If we can, we must, because not everybody does. And, and those are some stories I want to I share today. Uh, shortly before Thanksgiving, I had the privilege to go to Honduras and do some humanitarian work, and it was, it was amazing. It was, it was very sad, of course. It always is sad when you go and, and you're going in to try to rescue and help and get people out of, of tough situations. And so there's tragedy there, but there's also triumph and inspiration and to see just the grit and, and toughness of humanity, the things that people are capable of, of dealing with and overcoming and putting up with. Um, and, so, and so it's inspiring, but it's also to see what the suffering is just, man, it's so tough. And so I landed, landed on the ground, and Honduras is, is in a tough situation, has been for several years. We were there um, quite a few years ago and just loved it. It was just a beautiful country. We drove from border to border, uh, spent some time in there, and just the mountains and the oceans and seas. And, oh, man, just beautiful people and great food and just an awesome culture. And this time I've even fell more in love with Honduras and, and uh, her, her people and, and the beauty of, of everything. It was just awesome. But I, I met a, while I was there, I met this great man. Um, we really connected and, and are building a friendship now. I'm just so excited. And he had uh, been in the Marines and down there. He's, he's a Honduran. He'd been in the Marines down there and he'd been a police officer and he, he got into crime and he became an investigator for eight years and uh, worked kind of the counter, counter gang, which is one of the biggest problems right now in Honduras. The gangs are just out of control. And when I say out of control, like it's their regular, like massive shootouts with police officers. I mean, these guys have AK-47s and, and whatever. I mean, the, the pictures he showed me of, of his patrol truck just, just being absolutely riddled with gun bullet holes and gunshot. I mean, just unbelievable, the stories he told. And I was asking him, like, what's, I mean, tell me your story and tell me what's, what's the problem here? Why is this, why are gangs so out of control? And it was really fascinating from his perspective to learn. He says, well, this, the youth in our country have no real help, no support. And so many of the families are, are struggling and broke because the economy is hurting, which again, bigger macro thinking here, you guys, if you're, if you're rolling with me here, you love big thinking like I do. When, it, when an economy struggles, and again, another absolute uh, moral responsibility here to make your economy succeed and to help, and by, by that help the economy succeed. And another, you know, we have to help governments do what they're supposed to do because they don't, and then you know, succeed in spite of what governments do and their corruption and their inefficiency and all the crap they uh, do and fail to do. That's another, that's another topic, but because their economy sucks, then the families are struggling and the youth are struggling, and so the, the school system's not good, they, they out, the extracurricular activities aren't good, and in, in the United States, we're starting to see that collapse and fail, where, uh, and it's been coming for the last, uh, several years, but you know the the engagement and the quality of extracurricular activities for youth is dropping like crazy. And when you take that away, 
youth are just, they, they want to be active. They want to be involved in something. They need, all of us, uh, children, youth, and adults need to be involved in a good, some kind of occupation. We need to be doing something that's good. And if we don't, then we're going to get, often just get into trouble. I mean, you look around and, and the, the people who rise and succeed and do well are, are the ones who have something to work on, something that's meaningful, purposeful. And that's, that's kind of an underlying message today is having something really good, really, really good to be working on and not, not just in talk, not the stories we tell ourselves of like, yeah, I'm working on this or I'm doing that. And really you're spending massive amount of time just scrolling on your phone or watching entertainment from movies to sports to whatever is entertaining yourself to death, but really, really, truly engaged. And so these youth, they don't, they don't have that and they're broke. And so the gangs, the gangs are prevalent there. And there's a huge section of like just jungle that's sparsely inhabited. And man, they're bringing in all kinds of weapons and drugs through there. And there's massive amounts of crime and, and money. And so the gangs go recruiting in these towns where, you know, the economy's struggling and the youth are struggling. And it's an easy recruit because they promise them food and money and power and, and cars and guns and and a lot of these youth like wanting you know they they go home and their families have nothing their parents don't have work they don't have enough food and these gang members are like look just join our gang man you'll be able to take care of your family you'll you'll have food you'll have money you'll have power like you'll have all the things that you want for yourself and for your family you can actually create a future and so they're extremely successful in recruiting youth and when you stop and think about that you put yourself in in that spot, shoot, you and I might make the, the same choice uh, if we were put in that same situation. And so they're very successful. But my, uh, my friend, I asked him about his story, and he had grown up uh, with a single mom, and she was gone working, and they were broke. And it was him and, and I think his little brother at home. And, and I'm like, man, well, and he grew up in one of those towns where the gangs were prevalent, and they were recruiting him. And I'm like, why? Okay, not only did you not join the gang, you actually ended up on the other side of the law you know, fighting against gang. Well, what, what happened? And he's like, man, they recruited me, and I was tempted because we were broke. He says, but I just could not let go of what my mother had taught me, that she taught me the difference between right and wrong. And she taught me well. I just knew. I just knew it was wrong. Oh, man. I, and let that sink in, gentlemen. When you effectively teach your children, this isn't dad lectures, because that doesn't work. And it's not, you know, you know, going through the motions and giving the speech and saying it. It's truly, deeply, effectively teaching it and modeling it. And, and I, I get like some of you like, no, I taught my kids right and wrong and they still did wrong. It's like, well, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta teach them well. Fellas, you got to teach them really, really well. We, uh, there we go. I'm, I'm just on this kick of moral obligations today, man, and because I feel that we, we're not just here as like volunteers, man. We're not just here as, as participants in this, you know, the, the life play. You're just, you're not, and you're not a spectator. And some, all right, if I can just be frank with you, some of you are trying to be the spectators. 
Some of you are trying to be passive participants. We can't. We can't. We simply cannot afford to just roll along through life as a spectator. You have to participate and do more. And, and some of you have far more capacity to do more than you're taking advantage of. And, and in that, I'm saying some of you, might, myself included, we have to cultivate and develop our capacity to grow, to handle more so that we can do more. And again, I'm circling back that if you can, you must. And so we have to rise and we have to become better teachers, far, far, far more effective teachers and examples for our kids. Man, if you have kids, you have to become a great teacher. Um, I've recommended before the book, um, The Courage to Teach by Parker Palmer. It's phenomenal. He's, he's actually talking about, specifically, specifically talking about teaching, but it applies perfectly to uh, fatherhood. And so I want to encourage that. And he, and he really, you can't, none of us can get away from teaching what we are. It doesn't matter what the topic is or the subject or anything, or what we're teaching. You cannot get away from teaching what you are. And so, you know, when I heard, when I heard his story, my friend's story in, in Honduras, and I was just blown away by, by his dedication to that. And, and still now, even today, he's, he's helping his country and uh, protecting good people and helping in, in philanthropy and in good work and just making a difference and leaning in. I was just so inspired, so inspired. And now he's raising his own uh, young family and, and great striving to be a great husband and a great father and, and to make a difference. Just just absolutely awesome, man. Super cool. So then we met with an organization and uh, one of the one of the most inspiring organizations. I've worked with a lot of organizations around the world and this is one of the most exciting ones I've seen. The organization is called Sepudo, C-E-P-U-D-O. Um, and we met the the woman there who's kind of running the operations, her name's Lil. She's just amazing, inspiring. Man, to see somebody get so much done in so little time. And, and she just rolls like that on a nonstop basis, just all over that country, moving millions of dollars of donations and products coming in to good places and just blessing people's lives all over. The, and the programs they're doing and the self-reliance programs and the, uh, these programs they've set up where they're like, man, we need these supplies to help people. Let's, let's get a community who doesn't have work to make the supplies so we buy the supplies to give out to the people who are affected. And it, man, it's just unbelievable. So that's, that's an organization I'm going to be working with in the future and one you can definitely uh, participate in and, and get involved in and, and um, donate to. Just absolutely incredible. And we get there and we got to see their whole operation, how they're doing things, what they're doing. And I, I love this kind of work. And so I was just so curious and asking questions and kind of just interviewing and asking, and f discovering, finding out like, what are they doing and how are they doing it and how is it set up and why are they doing it the way they do it? Because so many organizations are so inefficient and ineffective and there's so much waste and, and so many problems. And they're, they're doing help, you know, help. You've heard about helping that hurts, right? of doing it the wrong way and like that demoralizes people. But these, this organization, these people are lifting. It's incredible. And then we were, we were preparing some food because we were going out to help people that had been displaced by floods. And I'll tell you their story in a minute. But we went in to prepare these 
these food bags for 150 families, and it was food and, and hygiene things, and supplies and materials. And as a general rule, I, I don't like to do any handouts. When you just give something to someone for nothing, that's kind of demoralizing. It takes away their own power, and it makes them feel like victims, or they just think, man, why should, why should I put in my own effort when I could just take a handout? Uh, but in this case, there's, there's acute problems and there's chronic problems. And in this case, it was a flood. And these floods come in and just, just wipe out everything these people have. And so they need, they need some help. And so we were preparing these bags and met this amazing lady. She's been working there at Saputo from the very beginning. I mean, she's been there like 16 years. And just hearing her own story of her husband's chronic illnesses, real struggling, and she wanted to have a big family, but because of his illnesses, they just had one daughter, and she raised her daughter, and, and she's just been there working, and, and she's just volunteered to stay really late with us, and we were, we were working hard and fast, just sitting there sweating in the heat and humidity and in this warehouse, putting this stuff together, and she was right there with us, just running, working hard. And so I was talking to her and hearing her story and her life, and, and she says, yeah, it's, this is normal. Whenever there's some kind of struggle, some kind of disaster, I just let my husband know and my daughter know. It's like, yep, another late night. We're working late. And, and she just puts, you know, day in and day out, puts in the hours. And she says, I have to. I have to, I have to help my people. I have to help people who are struggling. Cause, and, and what was amazing is even in her struggles and her story, which she has a sad story, that they've had a tough go. And yet, she feels like, oh, my life is so blessed, I have to give back. I have to serve. I have to keep going. I have to do more. Oh, man, it was so, so inspiring. And so, and then we go out to this village, and when we get out there, we, we learn that there's, so, I don't know if you guys, if you guys have been out traveling, and I've seen these all over the place, all over the there are these kind of low-lying lands that are really hot, really humid, really wet. And those are like the best environments for, for bananas to grow. But man, they, are, they seem uninhabitable for humans because the conditions are terrible. And now, unfortunately, they're growing palm oil trees. So these ones they call the African palms, and they just they get the, the palm oil from them, which Again, any, any vegetable oils and seed oils are just wretchedly horrible for the human body. They have those. So we go into this area, and we drive down these rough, dirt, muddy roads for 90 minutes. And we get way back in there. And so, I mean, any, in any direction, it's just these either bananas or palms. And they're just harvesting these things. And again, it's hot. It's humid. It's wet everything's just muddy and wet and sticky and saturated and, ugh. and so of course there's there's a lot of waterborne illnesses and a lot of mosquitoes and so they the dengue fever and and other stuff in there just tough and this particular location is in between two huge rivers and whenever uh, it floods it rains really hard which is happening now every hurricane season in the fall one or both of these rivers will overflow their banks and then all the workers who work way out there, they're so remote, they're so far away from the cities or any elevated area, it's just flat for hundreds of miles. There, there's just no high ground. And 
when it floods, man, it floods. So two years ago with um, Iota, Eta, I think it was Eta and Iota, they came in there and there was, you know, it was, it was over 20 feet of water and mud. And they, there was water over the tops of their houses. Like they, they couldn't even see their houses. They were on boats and it just became this water world. And they're just doing anything to survive. This year there was you know, six to eight feet of water. But again, you know, I don't want to minimize that because wherever you're, Wherever you're at right now, if you're in the car or you're in your house or your office, wherever you're listening, just imagine six to eight feet of water and mud where, right where you are. And even this hotel where I'm sitting here, you know, six to eight feet of, of water and mud just puts this whole, the whole lobby, the conference rooms, this whole bottom level in, in mud and water, right? And it just destroys everything. So it destroys all their belongings because they just have one, they live in these just simple, simple rectangular homes and all their belongings are right there on the bottom and they just get destroyed and 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 so when we when we went out there we went to find out what was going on what was happening we found all these people they'd been in they'd been they got this what's called the red alert they got the red alert in september and so they'd been out there for eight weeks with their beautiful little families eight weeks and there's this little man-made dike or bank along the river that's elevated, and, and they were up on top of that. And so their village, their houses, their, all their belongings, all their stuff had just been wiped out. And we heard their stories, and it was just horrendous. And it just, it, it, man, it just hurt. I, I shed a lot of tears, and I got, I got quite emotional because of hearing these stories of these children pleading to their parents that don't let them drown as the, the floods came in and they're just hanging on to the, the fence line and dragging themselves towards that dike to get up there and, and how their parents just grabbing their kids or grabbing any of their belongings they can and, and heading up there and then building these temporary shelters, which is just like, I mean, they grabbed some poles and uh, some, you know, kind of like tarps, tarps-ish things. Maybe a few of them, if they're lucky, have some sheets of corrugated metal they throw up there. And, and then they just live on the dirt in a kind of a fort they've built for eight weeks. And the water comes in, it floods, and then it just sits and just goes stagnant. And I was there, I saw it all, just these stagnant cesspools. Again, waterborne diseases and mosquitoes. And we found these adorable, adorable, Adorable little kids. They were so cute, just absolutely covered in mosquito bites. And all the kids had this nasty little cough, and they have struggle sleeping at night. I mean, just just brutal conditions. And, and as soon as those roads get nasty, right, there's no more water supply. There's no more food supply. And so they've they've been struggling. And so, man, you, you should have seen the gratitude and, and the urgency, the desperation to get food and cleaning supplies and medications. And so we were, we were able to bring in some you know, over-counter medications and, and we had some um, trained medical personnel we were able to help out and with a bunch of things they were struggling with. All of them had like foot fungus because they were just walking in nasty mud and water for so long. And like they couldn't even sleep at night because their feet and their toes were cracked and bleeding and itched so badly. I mean, and so even small things like that become a massive problem and irritation. And I, I want you to, I'm inviting you to put yourself in their shoes in their place. Like, what, what would it be like if it was your family? And I kept, I kept picturing that. We went up on the, up on the bank 
on the dike there and walked through the, they let us in and just graciously let us into their, to their huts and the area where they're living and how they're just surviving. It was unbelievable. And then, then of course, just like you're doing right now and like I, I was doing and still am doing, like how can we help? What's the, what's the long-term solution here? How can we help get these people? And, and what's so frustrating is that so many people are stuck. And, and I'm, I'm an optimist and I'm a believer in change and rising and transforming our lives. But around the world, so many people are stuck. They don't have anywhere else to go. They don't have anybody to turn to. And even in this case, like the only bit of high ground is this, this, these man-made borders. And even those break through and get washed out in the big floods. And when they go up there, then they're just stuck. They're stuck on this little island of dirt. And they're, they're legit. They're stuck up there. And the only like food or water they get is brought in by like these amazing humanitarian organizations and churches that bring them out food every uh, hurricane season. And, and man, they didn't, have, they didn't have any running water. So luckily we were able to bring in some engineers with us and, and get their get their community pump fixed so they can have running water again and now they can go back and clean out their houses. Can you imagine trying to clean out your house that's been flooded with mud and filth and garbage and not have any running water to do that? It's unbelievable. And then we were able to teach them some filtration things and some water purification so they could get some, some drinking water. Man, they were all so thirsty. So we took out a bunch of, of purified water. Oh, you guys, it was, it was tough, man. And it was... It was gratifying to to be out there we're grateful we were able to help so much and they were so grateful and and heard some incredible stories and was able to help but but man they were in so many instances stuck that was the only work they have and and, and some of them didn't have any work now because uh the banana field they were got flooded and so there's no harvest now so they can't work and you think well okay why don't they move somewhere else well it's so far away to any elevated ground and and this is where their work their life is it's if they own something it's a little plot of land there on this what i would say is uninhabitable that's it and and you think well they need to move somewhere like that's it's not that possible or so difficult to to start over with with so little and even the expense of getting i don't know there's there's so much to this and and i hope you know, I love big thinkers and, and philanthropists and people who are coming up with bigger ideas and, and exploring, like, how can we can make a difference here? Because there's needs like this all over the world. And I hope, I guess my call to you, my invitation is get involved in this stuff. Get involved in figuring out ways to make life better for people and help, you know, help them help themselves, of course. But rise with some people, for, in spite of all their best efforts, they just need help, and especially when there's been disasters or problems. And uh, man, I, I want to invite you. And, and I, again, I'm going to share these messages. I'm going to keep doing this. This is part of my life mission, my life work. And I'm going to I'm going to keep sharing these stories as I go out and have these experiences. And I'm going to have them a lot because I love just getting right on the ground when there's a disaster, when there's a problem, and people really desperately need help. I've created. Uh, this life, and I've, and I've intentionally and deliberately gotten myself 
into a place where I have the knowledge and the skills and the experiences, whether it's languages or travel or uh, medical uh, training or uh, personal protection training or you know, whatever it is, right? To just to be able to help people and understanding philanthropy and, and all those efforts, right? I'm getting myself into a position and my family, my life and training my kids to be humanitarian philanthropist too like all of this like getting your life into a place where you can make a difference and I'm going to keep sharing this because I want to make that same invitation to you now you may not end up going out and, and going on these missions if you want to fantastic that would be incredible um, and I hope you do find something that you're, you're passionate about and you can get involved in but some of you you might be like just spreading the word letting people know right because it's it's amazing how how much is going on that we just don't know about. We get in our, our lives are very comfortable. Your life, my life, are extremely comfortable. And it's easy in our super nice neighborhoods, in our little areas, in our city, in our state, whatever, like, man, we don't, we don't even hear about this other stuff. We, and it's easy to forget the other reality or to talk about it like distantly, like, oh, there's people in the world that are starving. And it's so easy to forget that and, and even ironically to get caught up in in our little troubles or trials or challenges and, and think, oh, you know, this is so hard and this is so bad and oh I'm so frustrated about this and, and then you then you have a reality check like this, like like I'm sharing. And, it, and it's always a reality check for me, even though I'm 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 constantly reminded of this stuff and yet to go see it again and talk to the people and look in their eyes and hear their story from their own mouth. It's this constant reality check. And that's why this one struck me so much because it was shortly before Thanksgiving. And I knew that in a few days I would be, well, let me tell you a story. So when I left, right, and, and here were these people and we talked like they, they have nowhere to go. They, they were just stuck on this, this dike for eight weeks until the water receded. And then now with, because we got the pump get back going, they were able to go back and start cleaning up and kind of start over. But that's, that's it. That's the extent of their whole world is just right there out in, this remote area. And then I got on a flight, which they, and we talked about this out there because there was these airplanes that were flying over. And I'm like, these guys have never even been at the airport, let alone in an airplane. And it's not likely that they're ever going to be on an airplane. It's just so far out of their reach financially that to go anywhere, like where would they go? And so they're seeing these planes fly over, and it was just fascinating to sit there and think, man, they see these planes, but they, they have no concept of what it's even like inside an airplane or to fly or to go somewhere. And so I went back out of the city, and, 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 and the contrast was palpable because there's a massive amount of wealth in these cities, these, these huge, beautiful mansions, and, and access to everything. And yet, you know, a couple hours away, just absolutely destitute. And, and I got to experience that one day when we drove from this very nice area where we're picking up supplies to a very destitute area. And, and to have that contrast right there. Well, I was able to go back to the city, get on an airplane, and within an hour I was in a different country. Go back, we have a house down there. And, and so I'm in a, a different climate, a different country, a totally different environment. We have, you know, our house is comfortable and nice up in the mountains and, and get back to my boys who were down there. And 
you know, just, just like that and, and, and stop and pick up a, a custom suit that I had had made for me and you know, to eat at nice restaurants that are there in the city. And just, just the immediate contrast was unbelievable. And then with my boys, we hopped on a flight and went back and we were going to have Thanksgiving back in the States. Uh, and I knew, and I, I, and I thought about this while I was there. I'm like, here these people are, we're handing them this, this bit large bag of uh, you know, rice and beans and, and powdered milk. And, I mean, it's just a few simple things. And they were so grateful for that. So grateful because that was, that was their feast. That was supplies that was going to feed their families. And I knew that I would be heading back in, in just a few days to go to a Thanksgiving feast where we would have massive amounts of food. And those of you who celebrate Thanksgiving, you know what I'm talking about, right? Or you just you have this spread, way, way more food than you could possibly eat, of all these delicious things from, from turkey and ham and mashed potatoes and squash and green beans and, and pies, all the pies and oh man, all all the stuff, and in these beautiful, comfortable homes, we have and these lives we live. And just our, our ability to move and, and change. And even if you wanted to, if you said, you know, I'm, I'm done with this area. I'm going to create new circumstances. Like, we can leave. We can go. We can create new circumstances. That's, that's actually rare. And the ability to change locations and conditions is priceless and rare in most of the world. And circling back, like, we, we can and so we should. And, and even that stronger approach of because you can, you must. We have to rise. We have to make the most of ourselves. If you need to make changes in circumstances, if you need to get, you know, if you've been feeling this call to, to get into a new career or to move to a new family or to make, you know, to get new skills or new knowledge or to help yourself rise or your family rise or, or just get the capability and the capacity. Some of you need to commit just making donations because that's how, you know, you, if, you're, if your current conditions in life or your skill set is to make money and you can make, you, you have the possibility to make more without, you know, without sacrificing your health or your marriage or your kids, then you need to do that and figure out how to do it efficiently and effectively. Right, that's the other thing. If you can, and, and you can because it's possible. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. And so if, if you can figure out how to make more money with less time, then you have to so that you can use that money to do good. And if you can gain, if you have access to knowledge and skills, which you do, and way more than most people in the world do, then we have a moral obligation to do so. And, and the one thing that keeps waking me up, now I'm circling back to what I was telling you, the, it keeps me up at night and it wakes me up in the morning, and it has for about 10 years, is the problem with human trafficking. And the more I keep learning about, especially particularly sex trafficking, the more I keep learning about it, the more I'm just so deeply disturbed and I, and I have to. And I have, again, for 10 years, I, I've been learning about organizations, learning what's going on, and just felt like I have to be a part of this to to fight and so we've made donations and I hope you'll make donations I hope you'll find organizations that you can support um, like Operation Underground Railroad was one that I had learned about years ago 
and and I didn't I didn't know anybody in the organization, or, and I, and I'd heard you know whatever. There's always rumors about it or whatever what's going on, and and luckily um, this year or way earlier this year I was able to meet some of the active operators and hear their stories and hear what they're doing and how they're doing and what they're doing. And I was like, okay, done. Like I'm in, and I was able to look these guys in the eyes and and get to know them and hear the stories and, and trust them. And so that's that's an organization you can support hands down. And there's another one uh, called Free a Girl. It's based out of I think it's based out of uh, the Netherlands, out of Holland, doing some amazing things. Just as a mission to end this stuff. And I, this is one specifically I want to call you and invite you to to get engaged and to get participate in whether it's donations or just spreading the word, letting people know. Because, well, and here's why. Here's one of the reasons why. This, this is a podcast for men. This is, this is work for men here. And men are the biggest problem in, in obviously, trafficking and sex trafficking. It's, and, and American men, in particular, are the biggest consumers, which is just sickening and wrong at so many levels. And so perverted, disgusting, Disgusting American men who've been addicted to porn and, and stopping porn is a part of this problem. And so that just has to stop, gentlemen. And it better stop with you. And then I want I'm inviting you, calling you, even even I'll use the word challenge. I'm put out a challenge here to all of you, like get involved in putting a stop to this crap. But it's a, it's American men and it's happening now on cruise ships. At all these cruise ships ports, there's men. They're just traveling around on all these cruise ships, and they stop at these ports. And every port, there's a there's a little disgusting little quote hotel of children that are available, that are sex slaves, and they're taking advantage of. Anytime there's a flood, anytime there's a natural disaster, anytime there's a war, they were scooping up kids, women and children, out of Ukraine, and transporting them into Mexico or into Central America, and then even, even you know, well, and all over the world into these places, just kidnapping them and then just keep them in there and then they even sneak them into the U.S. That's one of the biggest problems with the U.S.-Mexican border is they're, they're sneaking in. It's human trafficking and sex slavery. And, and gentlemen, this has to stop and the only way it'll stop is if you and I get involved and do something about stopping it. And again, this, we have a moral obligation to do so. We have to do what we can. We have to. We must. And we have to eliminate our own barriers, our own obstacles, our own weaknesses, our own incompetencies, lack of capabilities. And because we can, we must. And so we have to free ourselves from addictions and weaknesses and wasting time and wasting life and playing small. We have to rise because we can and we have, we have a responsibility. So I'm, I'm passing this along, fellas. Gentlemen, you and I have a responsibility. This is happening on our watch. And yes, it is your watch. It's your time. You're here. You're responsible for this. You can't just sit back and let this happen. And as that, that Super famous quote goes like the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing And so we cannot simply do nothing. We must do something and a whole lot of something and while while I was in um, 
Honduras. I, I found out about um, this, some trafficking was happening there and a bus that was made. And we just was so, so proud of the guys who, who took the risk and, and went in. Um, some, some great guys there in Honduras, local, local guys that went in and, and did a bust and rescued, rescued some, some women and children and busted some bad people. And, and those busts, fortunately, are happening all over. I learned about one that happened recently in Mexico. I learned about some that were happening in Europe. And, and it's, ah, it's, it, that, it's so, so difficult, so hard, so, so tragic to hear the stories of these little children, as little as three years old, or even younger, I've heard stories of that, and how they're just being abused many times each night. And when you think about your own kids, or little kids you know about, we have to do something. We have to. And we have to stop the problem and be a part of the solution. So that's, that's my invitation, fellas. Um, I don't know what your role is in it, but I'm, I'm inviting you to, to shoulder that responsibility, to embrace the moral obligation. And, and I wouldn't ask you to do it if I wasn't doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I can to be involved in, well, in all kinds of, again, from disaster relief to long-term elevation, I'll call it, like of, of lifting people up, of, of empowering people to help themselves and bring themselves out of poverty. I'm going to be involved in that whole process for the rest of my life with my family. And I'm going to get involved in, and I already am involved in, in, and, and just even by doing this, right, just spreading the word and, and making people aware and, and hearing stories and find out what's going on and, and you know, donate um, financial, do, donate financially or, or somehow get involved so, so you can be a part of the solution. And let's do this. If we have this brotherhood of good men who are becoming knowledgeable and skilled men, and who are calling it out for what it is and, and stopping the, the perversion and the filth and the garbage and putting it into that. And it's rising up because we can keep, it's good men who are willing to be warriors, willing to be dangerous, that will keep evil men in their holes. And hopefully draw those who are tempted into that, draw them back into a healthy place. And, and bring back that, that the restoration of a, of a good whole man. Man, that's why we have to do this stuff. We have to be involved in this. So figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to be involved and, and do what you can because you must. Ugh. Let's get after this, fellas. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Um, be sure to, uh, you can leave a review for this. If you, if you like this episode of the podcast, leave a review. Share this with friends, family, colleagues. Get it out there. We, we have to share these messages. We have to let people know what's going on, and we have to get involved. So, so share it, get it out there, leave the reviews, and uh, take action. And if you have questions, reach out to me. You can, you can connect with me on, on social, uh, greg.denning on, on Instagram, uh, my website, Greg Denning, or you know, Be The Man Masterclass. Get involved with, with our group and our tribe and and leveling up in every aspect of your life, becoming your absolute best self, and, and 
just you get clear about like what it is you feel called to do and what it is you can offer because we all have something to offer and all of us together man can be such a great force for good in the world thanks fellas be the man